Hello everyone, welcome to the Inside the Life of Non-League Football podcast. This week I speak to Kaz J. May, the co-founder of Her Game 2, a movement to stop misogyny and sexism and kick it out of our game. We also discuss her beloved Bristol Rovers and the plans moving forward in Her Game 2 for the rest of the year. Hope you enjoy. Here's the first episode of Inside the Life of Her Game 2. So yeah, first of all, welcome to the podcast, Inside the Life podcast, um, obviously on Her Game 2. Um, if we'd like to start a bit about yourself, really, and, and your background and like what got you into football. Yes, so um, I'm a Bristol Rovers fan, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, not been higher than League One in my whole life supporting them, so it's not been um yeah it's not been amazing for me but I got into it because of my mum um to be honest I've got quite a few gas heads in my family but actually my dad's a Bristol City fan and my brother's a Bristol City fan so it's a bit juicy um and I had the choice because I'm the youngest as I had the choice to follow my dad and Mm. my brother go to the red side or go with my mum on the blue side and my dad took me to a Bristol City game, but I think he made the mistake of taking me when I was too young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't like it. And I don't think they won either. So it was a really bad atmosphere and I hated it. And I was like, I've never got to football again. This is awful. Anyway, a few years down the line, um, Bristol Rovers got to the JPT final at mm-hmm. the Millennium Stadium. And um, my mum took that opportunity. Actually, no, to be fair, I think I said to her, oh, I'd quite like to go. I'm going to give it another try. And because I want to see like, you know, my, my whole family's football mad. I need to see what all the fuss is about. And then she was like, she couldn't believe it. I remember her reaction and she was like, wow, you really want to come to Rovers? Okay, great. I'll get you a ticket. And then you can imagine as a 12 year old, when you step off that train in Cardiff and it's just a sea of blue and white mm-hmm. Rovers fans and great atmosphere singing. Everybody's hyped up because it's the final. And um, even though Rovers didn't win that game, it was a good game. It was 3-2. We lost to Doncaster and I was just hooked from there and I was like when's the next game <laughs> I want to go again can't wait and then mum took me to more games got a season ticket from there and then yeah unfortunately been hooked for life yeah it's um it's been incredible actually I've seen two promotions so no three promotions now so it's not bad <laughs> that's 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 kind of crazy because when I'm, I'm a Luton Luton supporter and I, I wasn't really couldn't really find the club for quite a long while and then I went to the JPT final in 2009 Ooh. and my dad was like I'm get a ticket to Wembley if you want to go to it and literally the same thing of just mad crowds get involved in it obviously we, we won on that occasion and then it was yeah I want to go to the next game next game lost one to Stevenage and I was like oh, I don't I don't know if this is for me but I'm still I'm still at it so that's yeah that's that's pretty cool I mean I can't imagine a family of literally two rivals and what side you pick that's yeah I'd rather you than me um so <laughs> with, with Bristol Rovers I've been looking up things and it's been well documented that obviously been quite close knit with them uh, and you've managed to get her game too which obviously we'll talk about in just a moment if I'm right the shirt sponsor of the women's team I mean tell us a little bit about how that came about yeah so um the Bristol Rovers women's team is ran by um the Bristol Rovers Community Trust um Matt Davis and Adam Tutton who are brilliant and the second we launched they asked me for a meeting almost straight away um, and I think I met them about a week after we launched her again too um and we sat in the pub and they were like we love it we, we think this is brilliant obviously if they run the women's side um Bristol Rovers women's not been going that, that long they've only been going since 2019 so actually they're a fairly new side but they've seen so many comments in 
in those two years that like since they launched that the girls have been like subjected to and so they were really really passionate about it they loved it they loved the fact that it was founded by a gas head um so yeah they they asked me for a meeting I met up with them and they didn't hesitate at all to be like front of the woman's shirt <laughs> like we'll donate it to you obviously I said to them I was like we have no money <laughs> we still don't have any money like nine months down the line but obviously one weekend we didn't have any money either and they were like don't be silly like we'll totally cover costs and um you think like people pay like a few thousand to be on the front of shirts so it was such a generous offer but um yeah they didn't hesitate to do that for us and yeah that was an amazing gesture and I love it it's a really nice shirt as well so Uh yeah I was blown away that's pretty that's that's just to say generous that's that's quite surprising because you say even at this non-league level you want a good good few thousand for a shirt sponsor so pretty good to be starting with that so yeah, take us back to the start then, because obviously it was the FA Cup final day, wasn't it, last year? The the tweet blew up. It went it went it went viral, safe to say. I'd say it went viral. So what what is the background then? How did you and everyone else come up with it? What was the thought process behind it all? So it's obviously always been a thing that sexism is is in football, but we're all guilty of it, all of us girls and thinking oh that's just football that's a norm like you know if someone touches you up at the game you're like oh well this is what we expect you know I'm I'm one woman in a hundred men and they're going to do that and it just got to the point where as I've started to grow up and I've, I've started to look more into equality like my job that I do um the team that I work on are very big on equality and giving women equal opportunities um in every field um and I started to think in my work it's a bit like that and then I thought well football is very unequal like it's not it's very um yeah just it's so male dominated and I got to thinking like why why is it like why is why are the attitudes like this what can we do to change it so I had a little look I mean I obviously I got to this point from some bad online abuse um I've had comments in person I've had what I call sort of like naive sexism where they're sort of like oh wow you do know you do know football Mm. oh wow I didn't expect you to know like three of the players let alone the whole squad you know so um you know I've, I've had experience in person but my worst one was when it was online um where I just did the typical football fan thing of laughing at a rival club mm. um when they got beat quite heavy and that then the tweet blew up um it was Wickham Wanderers and there's a bit of a thing with Bristol Rovers and Wickham Wanderers like we've we've always had a bit of back and forth um so yeah I wrote a tweet laughing when they got beat 7-2 and then I literally tweeted it put my phone away didn't think about it next minute my like I look at my phone and I've got 200 quote tweets and it was just like sexism 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 people talking about like how I look about my boobs about my weight it was just like hang on a minute like am I not allowed to do that and like there was like there were a few people on my timeline that were also laughing at the Wiccan result you know loads of men were laughing but they didn't get the same reaction that I got so that experience for me triggered my anxiety so bad and I'm quite thick-skinned I've always been thick-skinned but that um, I had to come off Twitter for a few weeks I locked my account down I was worried about going out in Bristol because a lot of the abuse was from Rovers fans and Bristol City fans so I was like oh like what if they come up to me in person and mm. say something I was then scared to go back to games and I just thought you know this like this, this isn't right this isn't okay and then when I managed to to get myself back onto social media and it was only because I had so much support and so many messages and people checking in that got me back on it if I didn't have that then I probably wouldn't have come back but when I did get back on I noticed that oh, there were lots of other girls calling out sexism and saying why am I getting these comments because I'm a woman and I thought let's do something about it so I contacted 11 other girls I didn't want to get too many girls involved because we needed the initial video to be quite punchy short enough that people don't get bored of it um Mm. so 
I sort of found the girls that I knew would be really passionate about it, girls that had their really bad experiences. And I pulled them all together and I said, look, this is my idea. And every single one of them said yes straight away. Like they they were like, this is needed. I can't believe this hadn't been done before. So yeah. So then I said, like, let me know your comments. Um, I edited the video myself because that's my normal job. I do editing. So I edited the video together. I asked them to write something on a piece of paper, what they've received. There were some that we were discussing that we could have put in, but actually we were like, that might be a bit brutal or something. So we tried to keep it quite, as much as people can resonate with as possible. So like the generic get back to the kitchen, all that sort of stuff. I mean, there were some horrific things we could have put in, but we didn't. And yeah, and then we had this group chat going on Twitter. Um, We came up with the name Her Game 2. We're back and forth with what we could call it for ages. And then, yeah, we decided on FA Cup final day to post it and kind of kept it a bit quiet for a bit. We teased it the night before. And then, yeah, 10 a.m. on FA Cup final day, we were like, press the button. I remember pressing tweet and then I was like, okay, I've done it. And I was so scared and I was so anxious and I didn't know what to expect. And I looked back, I think a minute later, because it said a minute, posted a minute ago Mm -hmm. and it was already on like a hundred retweets and loads of comments. And I was like, okay, this is blowing up. This is going, (laughs) this is going like, so I was like really anxious as to like, you know, how far this was going to go. And then, yeah, we had a million views in 24 hours and our Twitter page gained 6,000 followers within the 21st 24 hours we had so many lovely comments and football club showing support the EFL showing support it was just the most crazy thing I think I've ever done <laughs> it's just still fundamentally just still depressing and disappointing that like it's, I can just tweet anything but like you say like that and it's no one really says anything it would go amiss but yourself or anyone you know the woman could tweet pretty much the same thing and you would scroll down to like hidden tweets or anything and it's just the same generic nonsense really so that is obviously still just incredibly it's just frustrating and depressing isn't it to a level you just want to delete your twitter account and then a full juxtaposition a couple of years later of it's the tweets blowing up but for the right reasons must be a pretty good feeling so i've got the aims the aims of her game too is obviously to educate and create an awareness and to campaign against it i mean what is the the fundamental goal and what is the end goal to achieve I mean, like, it's going to be a big task, but we just, we we would love to just get rid of sexism completely. However, I know that's very unrealistic. You're always going to get people where you just can't change their minds. But if we could start now and start raising awareness of the issue, educate from, I'm talking like primary school level, start mm-hmm. educating from that level, try to change the mindsets that the generation we have now have or seem to have. Um, so raise awareness, educate, and then create that safe space. Um, get these pledges from football clubs, get the support from football clubs get them to take sexism seriously put it under that discrimination umbrella if we could get all of that and we can continue campaigning for that over the next few years then in the future we should hopefully start seeing more women feeling comfortable going to games you can look around in the in the stadium and you can see more women visibly um i was in a pub the other day um when i went to swindon and i said to lucy i said just look around like how many women do you see it's it's crazy it's it's so little the amount um so if we could start looking around and seeing more women just enjoying the game feeling comfortable um we'll see football clubs taking action we've already had two football clubs banned supporters for sexism which is amazing and then yeah educating get getting girls feeling comfortable in schools thinking okay it's not a man's game it's not a man's game it's, it's everyone's game and if we can educate that at lower level and then you can see young girls joining in on the playground with the boys then brilliant and then we'll hopefully we'll see an increase in women's football as well more people going to watch it more girls feeling encouraged to play it and feeling inspired by female role models and that these female role models aren't being told that 
they don't belong you know so it, I've got this lovely vision in my head <laughs> that in a few years it's going to be this lovely equal football environment I don't ever expect it to be 50 50 in terms of gender but I'm hoping to see an increase and with our campaign we're hoping to do data research so we can find out season ticket holders um, and see if we could see an increase purely for making women feel more comfortable and safe I say on that with what you've achieved so far, I mean, what, what would you say is your best achievement as a collective so far? And has there been any, let's say, sort of disappointments, anything that you've wanted to do and just haven't quite got round or any responses from clubs and organisations that you kind of didn't expect? Has there been anything like that at all? So the biggest achievement, I mean, phew, everything's an achievement from like the, the smallest little grassroots club to the, the Premier League club Everton, like everything just feels like an achievement. And it's just, it's so wonderful to see how many clubs have partnered. So we're, we're on 81 in total at the moment, grassroots and professional. So it, it's just been amazing to even think that we've got that many at this stage. Um, football manager as well. That was a big one mm-hmm. for us, um, putting us in their game. Um, that was just, pff, I was blown away by that one as well. Um, yeah, like it's it's just I, cu- I couldn't say like obviously being on the front of the Bristol Rovers women's kit Forest Green putting us on their sleeve little sleeve patches seeing her game too on the LED boards on Sky Sports um, seeing the warm-up t-shirts on the players it's things like that it's just like everything just feels amazing in terms of disappointment we've had one or two clubs um, that have sort of said oh this doesn't happen at our club sort of thing but <laughs> it's one of those where it's right like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, and with this club cool. in particular that sort of said that I tried to find a female fan of theirs so that I could like you know get their perspective on it and I couldn't find one and I searched social media I asked a couple of um, friends that I know that support that club and I said could you point me in the direction of a a female fan of your club they were like oh I don't really know any and I'm like okay it doesn't happen at your club but why have you not got any (laughs) this is the thing and also you've got to take into consideration like when they go to away games and you've got opposition fans or you've got away fans that visit your stadium like and everyone's everyone has heard chance like get your tits out for the lads Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff like we've all heard it so to say it doesn't happen is ridiculous but I don't want to name the club because I know Mm -hmm. the person that said that is no longer there so (laughs) we're now in positive talks with the same club (laughs) and actually something is is going to go ahead but in terms of yeah disappointment um in terms of what we want to do that's kind of the only setback we had is is that a bit of yeah in denial um we did have one club ask us how much we're paying them as well but (laughs) but other than that um yeah that's the only two which considering how many clubs we've been in contact with isn't bad Cappuccino are proud to support and sponsor Inside the Life of Non-League Football. Here at Cappuccino, we want to raise awareness and funds for mental health support through our passion for speciality coffee and the simple reminder that self-care is not selfish. Please check us out on Instagram when you get a chance. And also, if you're ever at a Didcot Town game, and why wouldn't you want to be, you'll see us on the shirts as we're proud to be involved with the club as well. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. So for those of you who don't really know, you speak about the 81 club partnerships. So so what with them, what is the potential with that? Is it just to stick your logo on with them or what is the actual long-term plan to be a partner? What what would that mean? 
So obviously the professional clubs can do more than the grassroots, um, understandably. But um, with the professional clubs, it's first of all, it's having that pledge to be like, we don't tolerate sexism because that's never actually been said before. And it's always like, you know, people think they could say what they want and there'll be no consequences. So with the press releases that you see that go out on socials, that's essentially the club saying it's not okay. And you like, you know, you will be punished for any sort of behavior like this, which again, like hasn't happened before. So that's the first step. And then the second step is to make sure there's reporting systems in place. So we've supplied the clubs with posters and we've sort of stuck their logo on, our logo on. And then underneath it has the details of where women can go or men if they want to report it to. Um, if anyone witnesses any sexism or discrimination. So some clubs have a phone number, um, some clubs like Mill will have a text messaging service. So you could sort of say, you know, block A, seat 47, this is where I am, this is what's happening. And then they the person that's offending can be did or, or however the club wants to deal with it. So that's the second one. And then the other thing is raising awareness of the issue because obviously we have the the people that claim it doesn't happen. And these are normally white middle-aged men that say it doesn't happen, um, which is a sad truth. So, but there are also a lot of like white middle-aged men that are, that's, have openly said, oh, I, I, hands up, like, I, I had no idea it was this bad. So the raising awareness of it and having these clubs do that for us, you know, put us on the big screen, put us on the LEDs, put a statement out there that will then make people realize, oh, okay, actually, this is quite a serious issue. Hmm. And the things I am saying, actually, I shouldn't do that. And if I see a woman on her own, I'll actually make conscious effort to make her feel safe and comfortable. Um, so that's the three main things. And then grassroots, obviously, it's a bit different because they don't have like large crowds and stuff. Hmm. But we want to support them because we've now raised money through shirt sales and stuff. So once we get our CIC set up, which is a community interest company, we can then have our own bank account and then we can get the funds from our merchandise suppliers and then we can start supplying grassroots clubs with equipment. So like benches, portable goals, training kit, cones, balls, things, everything that they need. Um, we could start supplying them with that. And then they can also have Little Her Game too sleeve patches on their on their kits which is really sweet we've actually had a club Grace athletic that did it and they took we mm-hmm. put a photo on our instagram and it's really lovely they've all of the girls have got her game too on their sleeves so it's just little things like that we can do with the smaller clubs to not only help them out but also they mm-hmm. can spread the message as well well that'd be brilliant i mean obviously i'm media at Dickcourt town football club and we've been in contact with with everything going on there and obviously we're come the new season new shirt and everything we'll probably be looking to do to do something along along the lines there so that'll be that'd be great to get us fully on board I was going to ask one thing about um, the referral system um, that women and, and anyone can go to. It's kind of a question of that. What? How does the information help? Is that just a report that you just gain and just keep as evidence, or I say, where can that? Where does that referral go to? So the the reports we get through our website, we have a little tick box at the bottom that says, "Just let us know if you don't want this to go any further." Just because I wouldn't want to forward stuff on if they didn't want us to. So um, I don't think anyone said that they don't want us to. So. Um, what we do once we get a report because they have to say the team they support and the location mm. we then forward it onto the relevant clubs so say if it was a Stoke fan in the away end at Sheffield United then we forward that onto the clubs sometimes people could be anonymous so when they're anonymous obviously we can't reply to them personally but if they mm. leave an email address we reply to them and then we'll ask the club to speak to them as well and the clubs have been really good so there's been people that have had really bad experiences and clubs have reached out personally and sort of offered tickets in, a, in another place you know like a giving them comps to be to feel in a safer space at the ground and then 
there's been clubs that have actually fully investigated reports. So yeah, we've had two clubs that have issued bans because of the reports that have come through to us, which is amazing. And with the clubs, they said they will make the the offender take a education course on sexism and then they'll be allowed back in. So obviously they'll have like a, a minimum amount of weeks ban or months depending on like you know how harsh it was and then they yeah if they for the time that the bans lifted they will have have to have completed this education course in order to be able to let be let back into the ground so yeah that it's definitely effective um and yeah it does help with with data collection as well because mm. we can see where the issues are um unfortunately rovers have had quite a few since we launched right. that um report form but i don't know if that's a coincidence because i'm i'm reaching more people because i founded it but mm. yeah it's, it's kind of like it's it, you could kind of see where the areas are sort of the worst and what clubs are the worst at the moment and mm-hmm. we, we're finding that the lower league teams actually have it worse than that than the Premier League teams and yeah it's really interesting for us to see actually how women feel about certain things about certain chants about how comfortable they feel going to games we've had dads that were reported on behalf of taking their daughter in here and stuff so yeah it's really useful to know um but yeah we do try and follow it up as best as we can you say it's, it's more common at say lower league level than and higher up the pyramid what do you reckon you put that down to well I think with like Man U, Arsenal spurs you kind of have like your own seat and you're going to be next to if you're a season ticket holder you're going to be next to the same people every week and if you're in a if you're a person that just goes drives to the game watches the game for 90 minutes and then drives straight home you're less likely to experience any problems however the lower league teams like rovers for example i've got a season ticket but it's behind the goal and it's all standing Mm. so every time I go to the game, I could be next to a different person every week Mm. because I just find the spot with space and me and Lucy will just go in and just be, oh, we'll just stand here today and you're next to a different person. So I kind of think it might be to do with that and also match day routine as well, sort of. You might might go to a pub before the game and find that, like, you know, you're coming across sort of similar people with similar attitudes, whereas with the bigger clubs, because they've got bigger crowds, Mm. you might find that actually you're not coming across those people as often. I don't know, really, but I do think that the whole routine of going to games makes a big difference. So whether you go to the pub, whether you go into the bar at halftime, whether you've got your seat every week or if you move around, um, makes a big difference to how bad your experiences are. And there's also, in terms of the rise since you released that Twitter video, um, you're speaking about shirt sales. Obviously, that Hope and Glory merchandise partnerships happened. Tell us a bit about that. I mean, how did that come about? Because obviously, they're doing quite a lot of work for non-league clubs themselves, providing kits, training gear, merchandise. I mean, how did that one how did that one happen? Yeah, so they just approached us really and they were like, we, we would love to, to support you and, and do some merch for you. Um, and it they offered 100% donation to us, which is incredible. So obviously we weren't going to say no. We looked at some stuff they'd done. We thought, wow, it's amazing. So um, yeah, they're, they're not gaining anything from it. The only thing that they'd be gaining is, is people wearing their brand because on the football shirts that we've got, it's got the Hope and Glory logo, our logo, and then her game too. But yeah, really generous of them and I really appreciate all the all of the work that they've put into uh to support us and, and help spread the message because seeing all the people wearing the Her Game 2 merchandise is just so wonderful. I've seen photos of people at games wearing it. I've seen young kids wearing it. Um, and yeah, they were the first the first company to, to get in touch. So now we've made it official with them. And the only other um, one we've got is Jark, who are, um, they do branded ones. So they work with Adidas, Champion and other companies. But 
there, there's is yeah only Brandon and Hope and Glory have got their own dial sort of thing so um we're not gonna do any more apart from those two because otherwise it might get quite confusing but obviously because mm. they approached us first we committed to them and announced that partnership and yeah they've been really wonderful and that shirt they came up with it's just beautiful okay. <laughs> I'm so okay. happy with it <laughs> uh, I was gonna say there's one I think there's one or two more points on game two and then just take it back to Bristol Rovers slightly and so the half question on it is um was I'm a Luton Town supporter and the ladies youth team got in touch with me yesterday and wondered when you're going to pay Luton Town a visit is that something that's potentially down the line at all <laughs> I mean yeah we'd love to um, obviously it's it's tricky because a lot of people a lot of people ask us for for stuff and and we're very busy in terms of the campaign as a whole but all of us still work full time as well so I'm there doing my nine till six office job mm-hmm. and then on the evenings I'm doing her game two stuff um and then we're having her game two meetings on our lunch break as well so <laughs> it's kind of like it's, it's very crammed in and then my Saturdays I'm at Bristol Rovers because I go home and away but I would love it if if her game two got to the point where I could just work on it full time and I can go around and I can visit clubs and I can go to all these different games and go to grassroots games and and see like her game to grow that way um mm. I don't know if that's ever a possibility or if that might get might come to that one day but um yeah it's a shame we haven't got Luton as a, a partnership yet but it's something that I'm sure will come in time we've got a few more big clubs announcing very soon so I think that might catch the eye of the clubs that haven't quite quite responded yet or or noticed it yet so mm. um yeah hopefully we could just talk somewhat with Luton Town and Luton Town ladies um that would be really awesome can be when we're in the uh, in the Premier League next year so <laughs> one point outside the playoffs you don't you never know how's Tom Lockyer doing he, he's just good isn't he he's just really <laughs> good yeah I really like him he's um he, he goes to the Bristol City fans home and away I don't know if you've seen it yeah <laughs> I, I love I love him I, I love them all uh, this is is yeah it's bizarre in the last like seven years just from non-league mediocrity to just the point outside the playoffs it's just it's not it's because I've stopped going is why they're doing they're doing so well clearly yeah (laughs) you're a bad omen (laughs) pretty much pretty much there's one final question um I didn't quite catch who it was from um but things like hashtag united I know it's completely different and things like Socrates it's it's on a big scale so different but is there a chance of ever like long-term forging your own like football club, like your own team at a grassroots level, is that even entered the realms of possibility at all? I mean, like it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like it'd be really cool. But then I kind of think, well, where would it be based? You know, would, yeah. I, would they have it in Bristol or it's kind of because it's such a like a national thing. It's it, the location thing might be quite tricky, but unless we had loads sort of all over the place, but I don't really know how that would work. But yeah, it's definitely something that I've thought about, but I quite like the idea of doing like a a charity one-off thing and having Mm. all celebrity women play and people like Alex Scott um, would Mm. be incredible, put her boots back on. Um, So maybe that's something as we grow, we can can do some sort of charity event and it could be around her game too, and it can be an all women's side or two women's side playing each other and it could be televised and yeah I know that'd be really cool um obviously it feels like we've been going for longer than nine months but <laughs> in reality that is, that is all it is so who knows in like two three years time what what yeah. plans we're going to have made and what things we would have done so watch this space is all I say <laughs> keep your eyes peeled <laughs> <laughs> and just just a couple of things back on to, to Bristol Rovers then and, and your association you do um guest cast podcast so how long have you been involved in that I mean how did you get involved in that is that just a group of friends or was that just by association for going to games or 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been quite vocal on social media about Rovers. Um, I've always interacted with people and I know the guys that that do it quite well. And um, and yeah, I'd say they are friends. I mean, we, we followed each other and I used to listen to Gascast quite a lot. And what they did was they did a um, they did an interview with Daryl Clark, which was really quite emotional. And it sort of took me back to, to the good old days where we got back to back promotions and I was listening to it thinking it'd be really lovely to have the footage of the promotion over over Daryl talking about it. So I got in touch with them and I said, would you mind if I used your audio and edited it as a video um, for the gases to sort of enjoy? And they always here. They were like, go ahead, like send me the audio. And then I put together this video and it was like, like, obviously I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was getting quite emotional watching it because um, it was just good memories. So um, I sent it back to them and they loved it and they, they, they said that they had like tears in their eyes watching it so they they were really grateful for that um and I sort of said you know if there's anything else like that that we can do together just let me know because I really enjoy editing and then from that they were like well why don't you just join the team because you talk about Rovers a lot you like talking about Rovers I talk about Rovers on um, BBC Radio Bristol quite regularly I've done local news interviews talking about Rovers so they weren't just going in blind about what I was doing. <laughs> so um, they were like, yeah, like, why don't you join the team? So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then, yeah, it's been really fun. And well, I say fun. Mm. Sometimes it's quite <laughs> depressing when you're talking about defeats and you've already committed mm. to doing a podcast straight after a loss. So yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. And it's been really great. And they're, they're a great group and we get a lot of lovely feedback and it, it just has a bit of a community vibe to it because mm. we interact with a lot of assets from it. So it's really nice. Well, see, it, um, it is a, comes across as a community club with obviously there's the standout issue I can't remember how long ago it's been now we'll see Joey Barton's mishap that that was a thing has that died down at all or are people still really up in arms about him being Rovers manager because there was a whole furore about it and you know, sack him get rid of him he's still in charge is it just has it just all been not forgiven obviously a bad word but just just covered over by time yeah I mean the fan base is still very divided there's a lot of fans that won't go to games at the moment because they don't want to support Rovers while he's in charge, which I think is totally fair enough. There's some people that see it that way and there's some people like me where I, I, I go to football for my own sanity. So, I, you know, I, I, I use it as an escape and I sort of see it as, oh, why should I let one person at this club stop me from doing something I enjoy? I'm here to support Bristol Rovers as a club, you know. It, it's a really... It's a really difficult situation and it's just such a shame that it's dragging on and we're not getting any conclusion from it because Rovers have said if he's found guilty, they'll get rid of him. If they didn't, obviously, there'll be an even bigger uproar. Mm. I personally wanted to see a suspension, but unfortunately, it's kind of out of my control with this thing. And there's a lot of fans that, that just sort of turn a blind eye to it and try and sort of ignore it. But for me, it's still there. and there are people that sing Joey Barton's Barmy Army mm. or like one Joey Barton or Joey Give Us a Wave or that like, you know, there are people singing his name, but for me personally and Lucy that I go with, we will not sing his name until we, until we have some sort of answer here because mm. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And I don't really feel comfortable supporting him. Um, I actually met him not long ago and it was just a very uncomfortable, it's been not, not that he did anything wrong at the time, but mm. you just have it in the back of your mind and you think, Oh God, I just, 
it's it's not very nice to have our football club associated with something like that mm. and unfortunately with a character like him you're gonna get your your football club's name dragged through the mud quite a lot so yeah unfortunately it's still a thing um and the atmosphere is not the same when you compare it to the atmosphere under daryl clark for example mm. even when he was on a bad run of form it was 10 times better than it is now people just yeah people just just don't aren't feeling that connection aren't really feeling that love they're feeling it with the players but they're not really feeling it with him and that is because it's like a dark cloud hanging over us constantly <laughs> so I think it's March now is when we're going to hear a verdict unless it gets pushed back again but yeah hopefully not too much longer to wait till we hear I've got um, just two more questions for you the final one on, on Rovers just from a pure personal football experience in, in the season if I got this correctly I think you stayed up or went stayed up on the final day and then went down the next year. Or did you just get relegated on that final day from the league, from League Two, first of all? I can't remember. Was, it, was this when we dropped out of the league? Yes. Which relegation are we talking? <laughs> well, that was, um, was, against, was against Mansfield or was it against Wickham? That's what I can't remember. I should have. Oh, I, oh, I, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was in our hands, um, totally in our hands. All we had to do was get a point. Yeah. So we beat Wickham away, the, who were. Um, fellow relegation contenders so it was mm. a big six pointer we beat them away um and then it, it was in our hands and then we had Mansfield on the final day at home mm. and all we needed to do was just keep a clean sheet or get a point that's all mm. stay up just just don't lose yeah. um fortunately we lost <laughs> and uh Wickham won and um whoever the other teams were around us won everyone won we lost and mm. yeah we dropped out of the league for the first time in in 94 years so that was quite depressing um I remember it so well the atmosphere as soon as mm. that final whistle went it was like you'd expect it to be an uproar but mm. it was just flat mm. and it was like people were just like I can't I can't believe this has just happened so it was kind of like you can almost hear a pin drop in the stadium and then the players sort of, sort of, sort of sat down. Mm. You could hear a bit of noise from the Mansfield fans, but it was miles away and they weren't playing for anything. So it was like there weren't very many Mansfield fans there. Um, so you could kind of hear a little bit in the background there. But in terms of the Rovers fans, it was just disbelief and you can really feel it. Yeah. And that, yeah, it was vile. I mean, I just, I had no words and I stayed in that stadium until about, I think I stayed there for just two hours, just sat, just sat in the sun, like just yeah. couldn't believe it. But yeah. That was a really, a really dark time in our history, and hopefully, will will never happen again. Because, yeah, um, because on, I was going to say that a feeling of of just the lowest point, which just stunned science. You know, you know, non-league is is an abyss when you're a football league club for so long, and then you just go and do the mental thing. I think becoming the first team in about ten years to go straight back up and then up to League One. I mean, what's that? What, what does that feel like? Yeah, I mean, like. If you could bottle up the feeling from both of those promotions, like you could sell it for millions. It was just, it was incredible. Like, thing is with Rovers, we never make things easy either. Like, we don't just go and just win 3 0 and, you know, it's not comfortable. Like, you, you, it's never comfortable. It's kind of like, it has to be the last kick of the game. Mm -hmm. So, when we played in the conference playoff final against Grimsby, we took it all the way to penalties. <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. so, I mean, like, I don't know about, you know, other fans that might be listening to this penalties are vile enough as they are <laughs> yeah. I know it went yep. know that from experience that sucks yep so yeah in a, in a playoff final at Wembley and for our circumstance as well we needed to go up in order for us to get new ownership and then be basically saved from just going spiraling into millions of debt basically mm. so 
it wasn't just the fact that we wanted to be a, a league club again, but it was the, the fact that we we needed that new ownership and we needed the Alcardis to take over. And I don't think they would have done if we were a conference club for another year. So yeah, left it to last kick of the game there, um, scored all five penalties. So when that last one at the back of the net, it was just pure relief. I can never control my emotions when I'm at the football <laughs> I was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I cried and we equalised. Like, God help me when we scored that winning penalty. And then, yeah, the following year, again, don't make it easy. We're 1-0 we're down. We all thought, fucking hell, like, Dagenham and Redbridge were already relegated. So, you know, should have they're enough to play for. They're already relegated. They're already down. It's an easy game, you know. Mm. Come on. Um, and then Matty Cash was actually playing for them, which is... <laughs> mad when you think about it but yeah he scored we went 1-0 down I stood with my uncle and he was just effing and blinding next to me chance is blown I said to him I was like it's right it's plenty of time still the first half just relax but I was thinking to myself I was like blown it um <laughs> and then, yeah and then that was a really dramatic win as well so Billy Bowden equalized for us and then we took it to the 92nd minute to score the winner and I've seen the the Jeff Stellan coverage of it multiple mm-hmm. times and it's just it's you know what Jeff Stellan gets like when mm-hmm. there's a late goal there's late drama um so you can really picture how he was and he's shouting at the top, oh, you won't believe it and um, it goes to um Dickie Davis who was supporting at the Memorial Stadium and his gantry is just like bouncing up because <laughs> obviously the place just erupted yeah. and it sell out and yeah I remember I just went flying down the steps because the whole everyone behind me just surged I was clinging on to my mum and but you don't care you just don't care like I could have got injured at that point but I really I, I couldn't give less of a shit I was just so happy and the noise when it happened like it was just it was just happy noise like it was just mm. like a roar and it was just it, like the whole stadium was just like ringing and yeah and then good night Irene after that was just bellowing obviously we got a roof um un- above the Thatcher's terrace behind the goal and that sound is is amazing it is and I know this is biased but it's one of the best terraces in football it is mm. it's is so loud when when everyone's singing good night Irene and yeah and I was just obviously I cried again but <laughs> I was just I was so happy. And then we had five minutes to wait um, after ours was full time. Mm. And then we had five minutes and we had to wait for Accrington and Stevenish to finish. Accrington had scored in those five minutes. Then we would have been back in the playoffs and not gone up automatically. Yeah, longest five minutes of my life. <laughs> and will ever be the longest five minutes and we everyone was like right refresh 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 mm-hmm. and it, it was the twitter page of Accrington and it was just like corner kick to Accrington and everyone was like oh mm-hmm. no come on Stevenage hold on so I got a little soft spot for Stevenage now after that because uh yeah they kept a clean sheet they held their own they battled to the end and mm-hmm. um I felt bad for Accrington fans because they were in pole position before that but oh well <laughs> that Football. was amazing it happens. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just just finally, it's a year on fifteenth of May. What's the aim for her game to for the rest of the year? Then what's what's the plans? What's the goals? How long you got? <laughs> um, However yeah, long. No. <laughs> um, to be honest, like I would like to get most of the ninety two as I possibly can. There are a few more um, announcements due. We've got a few in February. Um, International Women's Day is a big one. Um, so we've already got clearance 
clients from the EFL. We've got really positive talks to the EFL about partnership with them, um, which would be incredible and would take a lot of work off of me because at the moment I'm just talking to every single club individually. So mm-hmm. if they can help, that would be lovely. So yes, yeah, so we've had clearance in the EFL to do um, something on International Women's Day, but we can only really do something with our partner clubs because obviously we're already in communication with them. Um, so what I'd like to see on the fixtures around so the 5th of March the 8th of March and the 12th of March clubs are going to pick one of those days that they're playing on and then they're going to do sort of a dedicated her game to International Women's Day type fixture so players in warm-up shirts discounted or free tickets to female supporters program features big screen LED female mascots just all the sort of things to be like you know it's International Women's Day we're partnered with her game too it's it's kind of like the perfect time to, to mm. celebrate our partnership and hopefully we can get some new female fans encouraged and involved which would be amazing Bristol City did one obviously rival club but <laughs> Try not to be too grateful, but I am really grateful. Um, did a um a her game to launch day, mm-hmm. and they gave away 250 tickets to women and girls in the local area. And the feedback from it was amazing. So they won, they beat Cardiff, the atmosphere was great. And a, a lot of the women said to us on social media, like, I can't wait to go back. And that's exactly what I want. I want women to be like, actually, this is great. Like, mm-hmm. this is like I because women hear a lot of bad things about football but they've gone and they've really enjoyed it and they've had a great time and they want to go back. So that's kind of what I want to get from the International Women's Day fixtures is if we could get more female fans involved, then it's it's sort of a win-win for everyone. So yeah, so that'd be really good. And then, yeah, I'd like to do something around the Women's Euros in the summer. Yeah, there's there's lots we could do. Maybe some at four, our one-year anniversary as well, mm-hmm. um, which falls on FA Cup final weekend again, obviously, because... Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we launched so we got the men's FA Cup final and the women's FA Cup final so it might be quite nice for us to do something there but yeah my brain is kind of fried just trying to think of all these things we can do but yeah the moment we get 100 partnerships would be cool I think we're on 81 I think in total so that's a goal of mine well that'd be brilliant well Kaz thank you so much for your time this evening it's been really really good chat really good to talk to you all the best with her game too as the year progresses I'll be keeping an eye out. And yeah, and good luck to Rovers and uh, wherever you going to finish. Late playoff push, yeah. maybe? We'll, we'll see. Mm, not after the defeat to Oldham on Tuesday, but... Yeah, we won't, won't, won't talk about Some that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Kaz, thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. Thanks so much for having me.